In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the Sunday before the Great Fast, where we begin to transition um, the readings of the Church to the Great Fast readings. And this Sunday, which is immediately before the Great Fast, which starts tomorrow, focuses on the importance of prayer and fasting to get to prepare us for what we are about to start, which is the longest fast of the Church. And so the Lord says to us in verse 18 of Matthew chapter 6, your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. The things that we are doing, the, the spiritual struggle that we are living, the Lord sees, even if we do not see in one another, even if we do not see it, but the Lord sees, and he rewards us for what, what is it that he sees in terms of our spiritual struggle. And so we can ask the question is, why is it that we should be fasting? Fasting redirects our attention from the flesh to the spirit. So our bodies have many needs and we have many desires and the more that we indulge on our flesh of the things that we desire and the things that we want the more uh, preoccupied we are with the world the more preoccupied we are with the needs of the body and the less attention we are paying to the needs of the spirit so one of the benefits of fasting is that we are redirecting our focus from ourselves from our bodies from our desires to the spirit to what is it that we can give to God instead of what is it that we want to take um, for ourselves. Um, the Lord said in Matthew chapter 4, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So here the Lord is emphasizing the fact that the, the things that we believe that we need in the flesh maybe are not as critical or as important. You know, sometimes we feel hungry and we feel like in those moments of hunger that we are going to die unless we eat. We are so hungry and consumed with our hunger that, that unless we, we, we eat something, unless we satisfy this hunger, then we, we, we are not going to be able to live. But actually we know that this is not true. Maybe we think of the example of Esau when he came from his, his hunting and he saw that Jacob was preparing a stew and he was willing to give up anything in order to eat of the stew that he, Jacob was, was preparing, even to the point of giving up his birthright that he gave up gladly just so he could partake of the stew that Jacob was eating. Maybe this says something about us of what is it that we are willing to give up for food? What is it we are willing to do in order to obtain food? What's, what compromises we're willing to make in order to eat, in order to satisfy our flesh? And this is a problem because we are we are called actually to make sacrifices to grow in the spirit not to sacrifice the spirit in order to grow um, in the flesh um, and so i want to speak today a little bit about some of the attitudes that people have toward fasting maybe when we are approaching the season of fasting we have different feelings and thoughts toward it and maybe we can help to identify in ourselves what is the way that we approach it, what is the way that we see it, are we benefiting from it, do we see it as just a burden that we have to go through to the end, um, how is it that we see. So the first attitude that I want to discuss that maybe some people have toward fasting is indifference. Um, we ignore it completely. It doesn't really matter to me. This is something really for someone else. It's not something that I'm interested to do um, at all. And even though the Lord taught us to fast, but it doesn't really, I don't feel that it applies to me. Here the, the Lord in, in, um, in, in Joel chapter 2, God says, Now therefore says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. The Lord called us to fast as a part of repentance. We are fasting, seeking the mercy of God, 
sacrificing the things that we desire for the sake of pursuing God and growing closer to Him. But maybe sometimes we are indifferent. We, we this is something that um, we don't really we don't really want to incorporate it in our life. It's really something that we care very little for. Maybe we don't see any effect or benefit of it, and so we we say, well, this is for someone else. Someone else can do this, but it is not for me. So this is the first attitude: is indifference. The second one is that we hide, meaning what? Meaning we are not really fasting, but we don't want the people in the church to know that we are not fasting. So when we are with the, the church people or when we're at the church, we will fast and we will appear to others to be fasting so that no one will criticize us, so that no one will point to us and say, why are you not fasting? And so we appear, we act as though we are fasting just to kind of relieve the headache that would come if people knew that really we were not fasting. Um, but in our private life, we, we do not fast. Maybe we, we, we don't really care to fast or we find it too difficult to do so. So we only appear from the outside to be doing so. But here about this, the Lord Christ spoke and he said, "What? Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Meaning if the only reason that we fast is to appear before people that we are fasting, then this is a kind of hypocrisy. Why is it that we are acting one way in public, but we believe something different in private? Not even that we maybe are struggling to fast and, and, and want to fast, but f are failing, but we really don't care at all about fasting. It's all just a public display, just so that I will not receive criticism, just so that everyone will see me um, as though that I am fasting. So this is the second attitude that we might have, is that we are hiding. We don't want people to really see what is it that I am doing, and so we act one way in public and a different way in private. Another group of people, they might outright reject the idea of fasting, meaning it's not that they're indifferent to it or neutral to it. Um, it's not that they are acting it out. They just dis they, they despise it. They despise fasting and they're very vocal about it. And they will say, why does the church place too much emphasis on fasting? What is the purpose of it? Why is it that the church has placed such a burden on us and asking us to fast all the time and for so much of the year and we find it to be something like too difficult and we don't want to do it at all. Um, and they f actively fight against this idea of fasting and consider it to be useless. Of what benefit is it that we would fast? We are not gaining anything. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, it says, now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Maybe some people will even point to this verse and see and say, see, you see, even in the scripture, it says here <clears throat> that we should not um, abstain from certain foods. And, and we are rejecting this idea. Of course, here in this verse, the Lord is not saying that certain foods we should uh, not abstain from as a term, form of self-control. He is saying that all foods are clean, all foods are lawful to be eaten. And this is not the reason why we fast. We are not fasting because we believe that certain foods are unlawful to be eaten. We fast to grow in self-control. We, we fast to, to learn how to control our will so that when my will is controlled, when I'm able to control my will in certain things, I'm able to control my will against sin so that I do not fall into sin. And so this group of people, their attitude toward fasting is outright rejection. It doesn't make any sense to me. I don't want to do it. I don't feel like I benefit from it at all. And maybe they are very vocal um, about that as well. 
Another attitude that people have toward fasting is dread or complaining, right? They know that the fast is coming and maybe they are thinking about how many days are left and how many weeks are left before the fast begins and they're dreading this day that the fast will begin. Um, this group will fast, but they will do so with complaints. Throughout the whole fast, they will be complaining. These fasts, they ruin our vacations. They keep us from having fun. They keep us from finding things to eat. They keep us from enjoying our life. And so we are always in dread of the fast. We are always complaining about the fast. And that's because they, this group doesn't see what is the benefit of the fast. Like, what is the purpose? If it is just a matter of changing your diet and that's all it is, then yeah, maybe it is something to complain about. But is there something beyond it? Is there something that is a benefit beyond a spiritual benefit that causes us to, to want to pursue fasting, to maybe even enjoy fasting, and that we feel like it has a spiritual benefit and an effect on our life, as opposed to seeing it as just a change of our food and a change of our diet? This group does not recognize that we have a spiritual illness and that fasting is one of the cures of that spiritual illness. Um, the Israelites, when they were wandering in the wilderness, they continually complained against God, right? They were wandering in the wilderness, they continued complaining against God. They said, God, why did you bring us here? We don't have any food to eat. We don't have any water to drink. And they remembered back in Egypt the pots of meat that they had to eat, and now all we have is this manna that comes down from heaven, which we are sick of it, and we don't want to keep eating it. But what is it that they neglected to remember is that when they were in Egypt, they were slaves. They were slaves, and, and the, the, the burden on them was so difficult that they couldn't live, and they were going to die from all the burden of slavery and, and, and persecution that was on them. And yet what they remember now is, yeah, but the food was good, right? We enjoyed the food there, even though we were slaves, but the food was good. And so, so here they, they didn't realize or they didn't remember that God actually is freeing them from slavery. Yeah, maybe there is some struggle in order for that freedom to, to come about, in order for them to be truly free, and that God was leading them to the promised land. And in the promised land, actually, there was a land flowing of milk and honey. There was plenty of resources. There was plenty of food. There was plenty of good things. But during that period of, of traveling from their... Uh, from Egypt in slavery to the promised land where they will enjoy every good thing, there was struggle. And this is how we can understand our spiritual life, that we were in the bondage of slavery and then God set us free and we are now traveling. Right? This, this period of time in our life is like the traveling. And yes, there is struggle here in this traveling in order for us to reach the promised land, which is the land that is flowing with milk and honey. A person who doesn't realize that they have an illness is going to hate the treatment, right? Like if you have a, a kind of treatment that is painful and difficult in order to cure a certain illness, if, if a person is undergoing this, this treatment or surgery and there's many side effects associated with that treatment or surgery, they're going to hate it unless they realize that this is curing a disease that is far worse than the treatment itself. Then they will subject themselves to it because they realize that there is a benefit. So maybe part of the problem that makes this group of people who complain against fasting uh, to complain is because they don't realize the spiritual illness that we have, the spiritual illness that fasting is intended to cure. Um, 
in, in Numbers 14, speaking about the children of Israel, it says, And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if, on, uh, or, or if only we had died in this wilderness. Meaning, meaning we, we would have rather died in Egypt. We would have rather died before we came out here rather than to suffer from this lack of food um, and the lack of water that we have. And so those people who complain about fasting are like this. Don't you realize that you're being set free? Don't you realize that God is breaking the bondage of sin in your life through this? Endure it and, and accept it and see the good in it and see why is it the church has set it up for us so that we can benefit from it and we can go grow closer to God if we do it the right way. Another attitude that people have toward fasting is taking shortcuts. This group, they will fast, but they will do so with many exceptions, with many accommodations, with all kinds of shortcuts to make it easier for themselves. And because it is difficult, they, make it, they want to make it easier. And they will break the fast easily, or they will make accommodations in the kind of food very easily to accommodate their lifestyle, to accommodate their schedule, to accommodate what it is that they are doing. And so because of that, and because of the many shortcuts and accommodations, they don't experience the benefit of the fast because it is difficult, it, 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 because it is supposed to be difficult. But they have made it not difficult anymore. They have made it just annoying. They have made it just something where it's like, yes, it's something that I have to remember to do. Yes, I can't eat what I want to eat, but it's not really benefiting from, from it because the moment that I begin to feel like my hunger or the moment that I begin to feel that there is a restriction on what I can eat, I just alter it. I just make an exception for it. So it's always kind of in my mind that this is something I should be doing, but I very quickly cave and um, give my flesh what it is that it wants. An example of this would be like a person who um, is, is working out, but the moment that the weight begins to feel heavy, they stop working out, right? Such a person is not going to ever grow in their strength because the moment that it's difficult is the moment that they quit. And so this is also part of the issue when we fast without guidance, right? When we fast without accountability, when we fast without the guidance of our father of confession, because we are accountable to him. And when we meet with him, he will ask us, how is the fasting going? And then we will tell him, this is, this is the struggles that I'm having. Or how is it that I can improve? Um, in Isaiah 58, verse 3, it says, Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? And the Lord responded, In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure. Right? Like the people are saying to God, why is it that you are not paying attention to our fasting? We are fasting. Why is it that you are not paying attention to, to it? And the Lord responded, he said, because you are finding pleasure in your fast, meaning you are not allowing the fast to be ascetic. You're not allowing the fast to be difficult. The moment you are finding difficulty, you are indulging. And when you indulge, you are not going to benefit. The Lord also speaking to the people about the path of salvation. He said to them, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction and there are many who go by it. Meaning the path of salvation is indeed a narrow one. It is indeed a difficult one. And those who want to walk down that path will find difficulty and the difficulty is not something to run away from, right? The difficulty is not something we should run away from. So this group, again, the fasting is kind of, they don't, they don't find benefit in it because the moment that it's difficult they find a way around it, a loophole, um, a compromise. The sixth group attitudes toward fasting is they fast against their will. They fast because they are forced to. They feel like I'm compelled to do so. 
um, maybe children um, or youth whose parents are forcing them to fast, or maybe those of us who feel like this is something I have to do, I don't look forward to it, I don't enjoy it, I will submit to it, but I, I don't want to do it and I'm not happy about it, I'm grumbling and, and, and unhappy. Um, and maybe this group is also not convinced of the benefit of it. And so again, they do it because they feel like they have to. They do it because they want to take communion and they, 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 they know they should be fasting, right? This group is also going to struggle to have any benefit because they are not doing it with the right attitude. In Philemon 1 verse 14, it says, But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing, that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. Any spiritual work, in order for it to have its benefit, even if it's difficult, and even if we have to push ourselves, has to be voluntary. Because we are convinced of the outcome. We are convinced that the spiritual work, whether it be fasting or prayer or tithing, um, or forgiving my enemy or whatever it is the case might be that that it is a positive thing that yes It might be difficult for me to do it and I might have to push myself to do it But I believe that it is the right thing. I believe that it is a good thing I believe that there is a spiritual reward in the end of it and that I want to do it And I want to challenge myself to do it and we see that in many cases in many ways like even to back to the example of working out many people work out it's difficult for them but they believe that there is a positive goal at the end that if i push myself challenge myself then i will reach this end another group they might fast uh, or their attitude toward fasting is kind of fear and guilt um, i'm afraid that i won't be able to do it or i live in guilt because i am not doing it um, and, and some people who are constantly nagged with the idea, I should be fasting, I should be fasting, but I'm not. And I, and I live with this kind of feeling, this discomfort, um, fasting all the time. Again, maybe afraid of, for people to find out that this is what is happening, afraid of for the church to know that I am, I am not fasting. Um, and, but this guilt doesn't bring me to the point of beginning. Like some people might feel guilt because I should be doing something that I'm not. And this prompts me to start, prompts me to say, well, I need to, to change. I need to start doing something. Whereas this group, they, they're not going to change. They just, for the entire fast, they are just feeling guilty. They're just feeling like, I can't do it. It's too hard for me. And many people feel this way about fasting. They say, I've never, never gotten used to fasting in my life. I don't know how. I will do it. I'm afraid I won't be able to do it. They try to imagine what their life will look like, what their schedule will look like, what am I going to eat, how am I going to prepare the food, and all these things, and they find it to be very difficult. And so they just, they aren't doing it, and they feel guilty about it. They wish they could do it, but they don't take the steps needed in order to start. Um, and so that is the seventh attitude toward fasting. The eighth one is legalism, meaning I'm going to follow the rules of the letter, but I don't have the right spirit of what fasting is. And the Lord rebuked the people in Isaiah chapter 58. And he said to them, is it a fast that I have chosen? Meaning the people are saying we are fasting. And God is saying, is this the fast that I have chosen? The fast that you're fasting. Is it what I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it, a, is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Meaning the people, they had this external attitude toward fasting, like we are going to obey the letter of the law. We are going to put on sackcloth. We're going to beat our chests. We're going to do certain ac actions, and we're going to say, yes, we are fasting. But it was very legalistic. 
meaning they didn't have the spirit of what the fast was about. They didn't have the spirit of, of wanting to, to, to grow closer to God, to live a repentant life, to reconcile with their neighbor, to, to, to increase their prayer. They didn't make it to be a spiritual activity. They made it just to be about, let me change my food. And sometimes people struggle with fasting because for them, all it is is a change of diet. A change of diet. Actually, there are many um, existing diets in the world like intermittent fasting or veganism that look very much like fasting. But the goal of those things is maybe physical health or weight loss or other things. It is not spirituality. It is not to draw closer to God. So you can't just do the diet part by itself and expect that you are going to reap this spiritual gain, spiritual growth that we are talking about when the church has set up fasting. Which leads to the last point, which is to do it in a spiritual way, right? This is what the Lord responded to them, right? Right after this verse here where he's saying, um, is this the fast that I have chosen? He says this about the kind of fast that God is looking for. He says, um, is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out when you see the naked that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh? Then your light shall break forth like the morning, your healing shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Meaning the spiritual benefit of the fast is not just to change the diet, but is to break the bonds of wickedness. It's, it's to grow in repentance. It's to increase our awareness of the presence of God in our life um, moment by moment during our day. It's to be able to have the, the power to live in purity, to forgive our enemies, to live in faith, to place my burdens on Christ instead of carrying them myself. It's to remember the presence of God and to be aware of him at all times so that my spirit is lifted, so I feel refreshed, so that I feel supported and encouraged and carried, so that I am encouraged to pray more, so that I give more of myself, that I sacrifice, I'm willing to serve more. It is a unity between me and Christ. And when we pay less attention to our flesh immediately, <clears throat> our spirit begins to thrive more. And in this thriving of the spirit, we find all of these spiritual benefits. To read more, many things during this period of fasting that we should focus on in order to reap the gains of the fast. Again, it's not just a change of food. <coughs> so we have to start somewhere. <coughs> For those who are not used to fasting, we have to start somewhere. And the first step of fasting is to meet with a father of confession or to find a father of confession if you do not have one. And tell him, I want to fast. I want to learn how to fast. And he is not going to tell you, all right, just fast every single day for the next 55 days. And he's gonna say, let's start somewhere. Let's start slowly and increase the fasting over time so that you get used to it. But don't just ignore it. Don't be indifferent to it. Don't be afraid of it. Don't just feel guilty about it. Don't reject it. All the things that we have said, no, we have to start somewhere. Because if I think that this is something too big for me to handle or to manage, and I'm just kind of going to leave it alone, I'm never going to start. I'm never going to grow in it. I have to start somewhere. Talk to your father confession, as I said. Right? This is a very important part of our spiritual life in the church. It's actually necessary for the forgiveness of sins, that we go to him, we confess our sins. And one of the things that we do in our meetings with our Father of Confession is to discuss our spiritual life, to discuss our spiritual practices, and fasting is a big one of them. Again, not to check off a checkbox. It is to 
grow in the spirit. It is to change our life. Um, make a plan. You know, sometimes if we, when we go into something without really making a plan and it's unrealistic and we know it's never going to happen. For instance, I can't just say I'm going to fast, but then I haven't thought ahead of exactly what am I going to eat? What am I going to cook? Do I even have fasting food that I can begin to eat? And so when the fast starts, if we don't have any of these things, we'll say, well, I couldn't do it because I didn't have the food. No, make a plan. Think of it ahead of time. What is it that I should be doing? How is it that I should prepare for this? And let it be, again, not just a fast of food, but increase my prayer. Increase my reading. Let it be something where I'm spending more time of my day focusing on the spiritual things that is supported now by the fast. And during this time, I will grow. And I will see that by the time I come to the Feast of the Resurrection, it will truly have a joyful sense to it because just as the church is setting up the fasting as kind of an asceticism and, and I would say even a kind of pain that it should be, just as the Lord Christ himself suffered pain and, and, and then finally we rejoice in the resurrection and, and we, we, we give our flesh at that point the food that it's been desiring as a way of like a reward for having gone through um, all of this fasting period. So again, fasting is very important and it's important that we have the right attitude toward it. And if we don't have the right attitude, then maybe I can think through my thoughts. Why is it that I'm thinking or feeling the way that I am? How can I correct myself so that I can begin the fast? Again, starting tomorrow is the great fast. It is the longest and most difficult fast of the year, but it's also the most rewarding fast if we do it the right way, if we do it with the right spirit, and if we do it with guidance from our Father of Confession. So may God bless our efforts, our spiritual struggle, so that we can begin the fast strong and we can continue and endure to the end and reap its benefits. And glory be to God forever. Amen.